Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of John chapter 8, and we're going to speak about Jesus, who is the light of the world. Just about every year, we try to go camping as a family, at least for a couple of days. And one of the most important things to have when you go on a camping trip is that every person, every kid, especially in the family, needs to have their own flashlight. And I've tried to suggest that we have lots of general family flashlights, but that doesn't seem to be the same. And then I said, well, I bought you one last year and you lost it. Why don't you just use your brother's or your sister's light, share it with them? That's not the same. Everybody needs to have their flashlight. So we found where to get cheap flashlights uh, because they don't normally last too long. And then, of course, when you go camping and the sun starts going down, it's exciting to take those flashlights and go exploring and finding things and running through the campground harassing other people who are there camping or whatever (laughs) that you might do with those flashlights. Have you ever thought much about how important light is to your life? Light, we're told, the physical idea of light, is an energy wave that moves through the air which our eyes can perceive. Now, there's other similar kinds of energy waves that move through the air that we cannot perceive with our eyes, things like radio waves, like right now in this auditorium. Of course, there's waves of light that we're perceiving The way that that light is bouncing off of different things is giving them color, and that's different spectrums of light. But then there's also waves of energy like the radio waves that are going through this room right now or the Wi-Fi signal or the, the cell phone signals that are all around us, and we've got all these sorts of things. We can't perceive those with our eyes, but God has made us to be able to interact with the physical world by seeing And what we see is light. Now, imagine how different your life would be if God had never said, let there be light. In fact, think about the fact that there would not be life. Without light, we really could not enjoy life in the same sense. And you say, well, I know that there are some who are blind... Their eyes don't pick up those waves, and they're able to go on living. Yes, that's true, but that's largely because there's a larger world out there that can interact with that light and can make the world a habitable place for them and provide for them if that wasn't the case. In other words, if all of us were blind, what kind of a life, if any, would we even have? Now, Physical light is an incredible miracle of God that God has given. But then when we come to this thought that God is not just interested in us seeing physically, but he wants us to see spiritually. And Jesus says about himself, I am the light of the world. Now, this statement is actually made a couple places in the Gospel of John. 
The place that we've taken as our text this morning is in John chapter 8, verse number 12. And I want to read together from verse 12 down to verse number 18. You follow along as I read out loud, and then we'll take a few minutes to talk about Jesus, who is the light of the world. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. And as you may recall from a message a couple of weeks ago, Jesus went on in this same chapter and in this same encounter with these individuals to make the claim, before Abraham was, I am. Now you'll notice in John 8 and 12 that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I want you to think about how we think about light. Oftentimes, if someone is in a bad place in their life, things are not going well and they're not really doing well in their mentality, in their thinking, we will describe that by saying something like this. They are in a dark place. And what we mean by that is not that they're literally sitting in a dark room with the lights off, but we mean that they've lost touch with reality. They've lost touch with what the truth is, with what the light is. And because of that, it's affecting the decisions that they're making and is taking them down a path that we wish they wouldn't walk. You might recall at times being in math class or science class and understanding a concept and all of a sudden the teacher says, I can see the light bulb went on. And what we mean by that is that just in that moment, something in your thinking clicked and you saw things as they really are. You saw the truth before that. Maybe you were struggling with that concept and you would follow the teacher's instructions and you would write it on the page and you would do the steps and you would come up with an answer and the teacher would say, now do you see it? And you would say, no, I don't see it. I don't understand. But do you remember having those kind of light bulb moments when all of a sudden you understood and you saw this is why the formula works. Now, some of you are saying never in algebra class did I have one of those, but maybe at other times in your life, you've had an experience like that. And what we mean when we say the light bulb went on is not that somebody went and flipped on the lights in the room and it had been dark in there before that time, but we mean that in your inner man, in your mind, 
the light turned on and you saw something that you had never seen before. So Jesus comes and he says to these men, I am the light of the world. What is the implication of this statement, this I am statement of Jesus Christ? Well, three thoughts. I want you to follow with me as we think about this morning, this idea of Jesus being the light of the world. Notice with me, first of all, that Jesus addresses the course of darkness, the course of darkness. He says in verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, I want you to think with me for just a moment. What does it mean to walk in darkness? What is Jesus referring to when he mentions this course of darkness? I don't know if you've ever had to walk in darkness before. Now, thankfully, we live in a world that even when the sun goes down, there tends to be a lot of light. If you've ever been out in the woods and the sun goes down, you would think, well, it gets really dark and you can't really see. But the truth is, most of the time, there's some light that's coming from the moon that is being reflected from the sun. There is some light that's coming from the stars. There's some ambient light from maybe someone's yard or someone's porch, and that is shedding a little light. In fact, there have been times when I've been out in the dark without a flashlight and have found it to be nearly as bright as day because of the other lights that are shining. But if you've ever been in a situation where it's really dark, meaning there is no outside light, you would find that it's very, very difficult to walk. It's very difficult to know where to put your foot in front of you. And and if you wanted an illustration of this in a safe place, maybe with someone watching out for you, just close your eyes and don't peek at all and try to walk around a little bit and see how you feel. You know, in those situations, we tend to feel very uncertain. We tend to feel uneasy because we, we fear, well, how close am I to the edge of the steps? Where is that wall? Now, in our mind, we thought we knew where it was, but with our eyes closed or with no light penetrating, it can be very, very difficult and disorienting. I remember one time I was traveling in Asia and I had flown all night the night before and then traveled north and I was spending time with a missionary friend of mine in their house and they put me in a room upstairs in their house and of course it was bedtime and so I went to bed, I was tired and I was jet lagged and so my my mentality was all messed up and round about two o'clock in the morning something happened in my body that said, time to get up. And my eyes popped open. And I'll never forget how disoriented I was because I didn't remember where I was at. I forgot that I had traveled to Asia. Just in that moment, when my eyes popped open, all I could see was darkness 
And just for a moment, there was this fear. I don't know where I am. How did I get here? And then, of course, it dawned on me. Okay, I know where I'm at. All right. But even then, as I looked around, there was no light coming in from any of the windows. There was no light from the bathroom or anything like that. And it took me a moment to get my bearings and to figure out where I was. Now, when Jesus says that men walk in darkness, this is the idea. The idea that men are disoriented. The idea that men naturally, in the course that they are following... They really don't know where they are headed. They don't know what the end result of that next step is going to be. This is the normal course of man, and this is the way of the majority of the world. And everybody's just kind of walking together in this way, but they're walking in darkness. Most people think it's normal to walk in darkness. They say, well, that's what everybody's doing. This is the way that we're all going. But Jesus is saying, I'm coming to show you a different way than the way that men are normally walking. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, and you'll notice in 1 John chapter 1 that the normal course of life that men take, this walking in darkness, is actually in complete opposition to the way of God. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. Notice this. Man's normal way of living is completely opposite of God's way. It's Against, it's in contradiction to that which is the truth of God. Furthermore, we find in Acts 26 and verse 18 that this way of walking in darkness, this course of life, is actually empowered and energized by the deceptive power of Satan. It is Satan that is confusing the minds of people, or if you want to put it this way, he is darkening their understanding. He is keeping them from coming to the knowledge of the light. Acts 26, 18, where Paul was revealing the calling of God upon his life, says this, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Notice in that verse how darkness is equated to the power of Satan. You may at times as a believer just question, why are people so unable to understand spiritual things? Why can't they comprehend the truth? Why can't they see things that seem to be as plain as day to me? Well, one reason is because they've actually been deceived by the power of Satan. This is a reality. In the majority of the world around us, people are deceived. So go back to John 8 
as we think about Jesus being the light of the world, notice that Jesus comes into this world to bring light, but he is coming in a contradiction to the normal way of life that people are following. This is the course of darkness. Sometimes people say, what in the world is going on in our world? I don't understand why people do these things. I don't understand why things are the way that they are. Well, this darkness has a lot to do with it. People are following a course that has been prescribed for them by the prince of darkness, the one who has deceived their minds. But notice with me not only the course of darkness, but notice with me this morning the curse of darkness. The curse of darkness. Now, physically speaking, in the sense of light and darkness, night and day, physically speaking, darkness is a blessing to us. You understand when it's in its proper place. For instance, when you go to bed and it's time to sleep, it's good to have darkness because your body responds to those rhythms of light and darkness and your body needs to rest. So I'll just, you know, right now, if you're sleeping, you need to wake up. The lights are on, all right? So your body needs to be awake. At night, when it's time to sleep, the lights should be off And your body responds to that. But spiritually, when we speak about light and darkness, darkness in a spiritual sense is always a curse. Darkness, because it is in opposition to God, to his character and to his ways, is always going to bring trouble, destruction, difficulty in our life. For instance, and we want to look at several verses together, turn to Proverbs chapter 4 with me. Just hold your place in John 8 because we'll be back there in a moment. But in Proverbs chapter 4, you'll notice in verse number 19, Proverbs 4 and 19, very interesting verse which tells us something about the curse of darkness The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. What is the curse of darkness? It is stumbling. Darkness causes stumbling. You've probably experienced this at times when you could not see well. When you didn't realize that there was something in the way. When I come over here some evenings to lock up the building. I'm pretty accustomed to the layout of this building. I've been a member of this church for over 30 years, and I've walked through these hallways. I know where things are at, but I'll tell you, it'll really throw me for a loop if I'm coming over to lock up. And I don't normally turn the lights on when I'm locking up. I just walk through and lock things up and turn off any lights that were left on and that sort of thing, but every once in a while, someone will leave a podium over here next to the wall, and as I'm coming down that wall, not expecting there to be a podium there because it's not supposed to be there, it's not normally there, that's usually quite a surprise when I run into that. When you're walking in the dark, you will find that you stumble at things. 
Now, stumbling. Stumbling means you lose your balance. It means you're thrown off guard. It means in that moment, you're, you're, you're in a vulnerable place. Stumbling in the Bible also speaks of offenses. A stumbling stone is a rock of offense. And many people who are walking in darkness end up stumbling and being offended at the only one who can save them. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. When it's dark and someone shines the light in your vicinity, do you appreciate that? Probably not. Because your eyes react kind of violently to that light. They've grown accustomed to the darkness. Oh, that hurts. I don't like that. In the same way, when people are walking in darkness, they think the light is a curse. And it's actually the darkness that is leading them to a place of stumbling. We see people stumbling, making poor decisions, going in the wrong direction, and we're trying to get their attention. But sadly, many of those who are in darkness will stumble only over the only hope that they have for deliverance. Not only does darkness cause stumbling, but second of all, turn to Psalm 107, and we'll find in Psalm 107, verses 10 through 12, that darkness brings spiritual bondage. Psalm 107, verse number 10, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor They fell down and there was none to help. Notice how God equates darkness with the shadow of death and with being bound or tied up in affliction and in iron. And the truth is that when people are in darkness, they find themselves in spiritual bondage. They find themselves enslaved to sinful decisions. They're following in a course that they feel like they can't help but walk. I don't know any other way to live. I don't know where else to go. I don't know any other direction. Everybody is doing this. It seems like this is the only thing that I can do. That's because darkness brings spiritual bondage to people. Many of the people that we interact with on a daily basis in the world are walking in darkness and they are in bondage to all sorts of sin. They don't understand how to be freed from that sin. And it is so real, this bondage in their life, that they actually have been brought to the point where they believe people who live differently than them are the ones in bondage rather than they themselves. And they look at people who are living according to the liberty of God's word, and they say, I could never live in a type of bondage like that, not even recognizing that their own lives are ruled by sin and by the power of darkness. 
So darkness causes stumbling and darkness brings spiritual bondage. But then third of all, turn to Isaiah chapter 9 with me. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Notice how in this text, death is equated with darkness. The shadow of death. And third of all, I want you to understand that darkness brings people to death. It brings them down to death. I mentioned earlier that we really could not live without light. Light is so critical and so important for us. In many ways, we're like a plant that depends on light. If you take a plant that requires light for its nutrients and its growth, and you put it in a dark cabinet and leave it there for a long time, that plant is going to die. Even if you add minerals and you make sure to water it, and you're always careful to give it everything else that it needs, without light, that plant will not be able to thrive. In the same way, you and I require spiritual light in order to have life. In fact, the light of Jesus Christ in other places is called the light of life. He is the one who gives life. And without that light, we will find that people are being brought down to death. It is a sad thing to see the power of death that prevails in our world today. People are fascinated with death. Right now, it is the Halloween season in our country. And everywhere that we go, we find people infatuated with death, making light out of death. And sometimes we say, well, you know, why are they behaving in that way? Well, I think many times it's a reaction of fear against death. So what I don't understand and what I'm afraid of, I'll make a joke out of it. I'll I'll make light of it. But that doesn't take away the fact that death is a fearsome thing. I mean, folks, it's not normal to put skeletons in your front yard or your house as decoration. That's not normal. That. And I realize that lots of people are doing it right now because it's the season. But that's just not a normal thing to do, to, to have gruesome displays of people who've been murdered by axes or something and to use that as decoration of your house. That's not a normal thing. So what is going on? Well, darkness is something that when people don't know what to do, they don't know how to handle death, they don't know how to face death, so they... Make a joke out of it. They make a decoration out of it. They put it in their front yard and they have a celebration and they say, see, I'm not afraid of death. So darkness brings people to death. This is a, this season right now, what what in our country they call a holiday, is a very dark holiday. There's a lot of dark things that are done surrounding this holiday. There's There's a lot of things 
that, that you just say, well, that's part of the celebration. Isn't it interesting how darkness brings people down to death? And that's the power of Satan in people's lives. Fourth of all, Matthew chapter 6. We're getting closer now back to our text. Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look at verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And I think what is being expressed in verse number 23, I mean, think about how blessed, if you can see, think about how blessed you are to be able to interact with the physical world with the sense of sight, with your eyes, which is all dependent on those light waves and how those light waves interact with the optical nerves that are in our eyeballs, which are connected to our brain, which God made to be able to process so that we could see and sense the world around us. But now if your eye is evil... And in this, uh, this sense of evil, if it is darkened and you can't see, that's a great darkness. That, that's something that affects every part of your life. This, this member, these two eyes, if they're not functioning properly, that affects everything about your body, everything about your interaction with the physical world. In other words, darkness... And I believe what Jesus is pointing out in this passage with this illustration is darkness tends to multiply into more darkness. Darkness doesn't yield light. If you pile darkness on top of darkness upon top of darkness, you just have more darkness. You don't have light. You could have a lot of people with their collective ideas about what life is all about and how to live the right way and their opinions about this or that. They can write books and do seminars and get together and encourage one another. But if all they have is collective darkness, how great is that darkness? So much of what is shared as wisdom in our world today is nothing but darkness. You know, there's many people today who are in darkness, but they really believe that they're in the light. They really believe that they possess the way of truth. And you try to reason with them and point out how what they're believing can't possibly be true, how it's in contradiction to that which is true. And they'll argue with you and tell you, no, no, my way is the right way. I'm walking in the light and you're walking in the darkness. It's very difficult to convince someone who's happy in the darkness, that they're actually not in the light. And then darkness tends to get darker and darker and darker. And I believe this is what we're seeing happening in our culture right now, is it's becoming darker and darker, and people are becoming more and more confused, and their spiritual confusion is yielding more darkness And we see this just multiplying around us. So darkness can multiply into more darkness. Finally, 
The curse of darkness is seen in John chapter 3. And turn there with me if you would. You might ask the question this morning, well, why is there darkness? If Jesus is the light, and when he says, I am the light of the world, that means he always has been the light of the world. It's not as if he just recently became the light of the world. He always has wanted to bring light into this world. So what is it that brings this curse of darkness to the world around us? Well, John 3, verses 19 through 20, these are the words of Jesus. And this really describes the ultimate problem that we have with darkness. Verse 19, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So what is the curse of darkness? Well, the curse of darkness is darkness causes men to love darkness and to run away from God's light. And the reason that men do this is because they love their sin. They love doing the wicked things that look okay in the dark. This is why so much of the world, when you think about the culture, why are clubs dark? Because there's a lot of dark things that are going on. Why do men like prefer to wait until after the sun goes down to be involved in sin out in the streets and the neighborhoods because men love sin. They love for their sin to be covered over by darkness. Now, this morning, before we start thinking about all the people out there who love darkness, remember that you and I can be prone to this same temptation, can't we? To, to want to cover over our sin... This is why respectable people, when they sin, will try to do so under a cloak of privacy. They'll they'll make sure to have Google incognito mode in place so that no one will be able to find out. No one will be able to know. Some of you parents, if you don't know what Google incognito mode is, you ought to figure that out because if your kids have phones, I guarantee they know what that is. We have a tendency to think, well, you know, as long as it's under the cover of darkness, as long as 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 nobody knows, then it's okay. But here's the curse of darkness. Darkness leads us more and more in contradiction and rebellion to God because we're avoiding the light of God so that we can do the things that we want to do. The curse of darkness is that our destruction and our demise becomes more complete as we pursue after our own desires for the flesh. Yes, darkness is a curse, even if it's a curse that we somewhat enjoy 
because we can do what we want to do. Jesus came to deliver us from that curse. Turn back to John chapter 8 with me. John chapter 8. We've seen the course of darkness and the curse of darkness, but let us consider for just a few moments the cure for darkness. Jesus said in John 8 and 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What is the cure for darkness? Well, as much as darkness seems powerful, darkness is very weak against the power of light. Have you ever noticed that? On a dark, dark night, when it seems like you can't see anything out in front of you and you don't know which direction to go. Where is it safe to proceed? Flip on a light and the darkness is chased away. The darkness cannot stand in opposition to the light. You say, what is the cure for darkness? The cure for darkness is the light of God. What is the cure for the spiritual confusion that exists in our world in many people's minds? It is the truth that God has given us in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall have the light of life. If you have the light of life, you can be delivered from darkness. Now think with me for just a moment about the cure for darkness. The cure is follow Jesus. He has the light. Imagine, I was telling you about camping earlier. So imagine on a camping trip, inevitably, one of my kids always has to go to the bathroom after it gets really dark. And the bathhouse, because we like to camp a little ways away from the bathhouse so that we don't have the interruptions from people coming and going, is a ways away. And I could say to them, well, go to the bathroom. And they say, but Papa, would you come with me? Well, why do you want me to come with you? Well, just because, just because I want you to come with me. All right, so I know why they want me to come with them. And we were camping this year in a place, and I don't know, one of the nights, it was really dark. The moon was not, the, the moon was behind the clouds, and there weren't many stars, and there's just not a lot of lights in that campground. And so I'd say to them, okay, you come with me. Now, I have the flashlight, and I'm going to shine that light, and as long as they're with me, they're going to be in the light, and they're going to know where they need to go. But now my kids might be a lot like your kids and sometimes they get a little overconfident and they let go of my hand and they take off on their own. And I say to them, now hold on, be careful. You, you can't see where you're going. I've got the light. You need to stay with me. Notice what Jesus says. He that followeth me shall have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. If you want the light, you need to follow Jesus. You cannot have the light of Jesus and go off on your own path. 
You can't go and do your own thing and say, I have the light. No. If you want to be delivered from darkness, you're going to have to follow Jesus. You're going to have to understand Jesus is the light of the world. And his way of living, his way of coming to the Father is the only way. And it is the deliverance from darkness that your soul desperately needs. There may be some listening this morning who say, Pastor, my life, I know, is dominated by darkness. I know I found myself in a very dark place. I know that I'm doing things that I ought not to do. I don't like who I've become. I don't like where I am. What do you recommend? I recommend that you get to Jesus as fast as you can and follow him. He is the light of life. Follow after his way. If you follow Jesus, Jesus says, you will have the light of life. Now, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, for some help with that, we could go back to the verses that we just read in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, and we could ask, why is it that men don't follow Jesus? It's the same reason that men love the darkness rather than the light. It's because men want to do what they want to do. You say, what then does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to turn from your way of doing things, from the darkness in which you've been living, and to embrace the light that Jesus is bringing. In other words, respond to the light of Jesus. If you will step into that light... If you will draw near to that light, you'll find that Jesus is in the business of giving light to people. I want you to turn to John chapter 1, a very interesting passage. John chapter 1 talks about Jesus being the light. And in verse 9, he's called the true light. John 1 verse 9 that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, just for a moment, put your thinking caps on with me and think about what that means. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into this world to light every man. In other words, every individual... Every conscious person has the opportunity to respond to some kind of light. Truth that God has given. Now, we live in a culture where we have an abundance of light. In the sense, let me explain what I mean. In the sense that the word of God is readily accessible. Good teaching and preaching is maybe... Not as accessible as it used to be, but it can be found. You can find people who are declaring the truth. There is light that is available. Many times people will grow up in homes where they have loved ones who shared the truth with them. Maybe a grandma or a mom who took them to Sunday school and they learned some things. There's some light. Now in other cultures, there may be less light, 
But according to this verse, there is some light in every person's life, even if that light is as dim and as small as what Romans 1 talks about, the knowledge that God exists about his eternal power and his Godhead, which can be collected simply by observing the world around you and seeing that none of this could have happened by chance. If that's the only light that a person has, they are responsible to respond to that light. And here's what I want you to understand. When you respond to the light that God gives, God gives more light. God opens your understanding. He'll bring more truth to you. So sometimes people say, well, what about people who live in a culture where they just don't have access to the Bible? They don't have access to the truth. My firm belief is in that culture, if a person will respond to the little bit of light that God has given them, the light that he's given to every man and they respond to that, then Jesus is going to give them more light. He's able to move heaven and earth to get the truth in front of people so that they can respond to the light, so that they can come to the knowledge of the truth. Now understand this morning, you cannot be saved without understanding who Jesus is and the fact that he died as the sacrifice for your sin. And not everybody understands that. But I believe that God can bring someone to that understanding if they will respond to the light that God gives them. Which brings us back to this verse. Jesus is the light, the true light that lights every man that comes into the world. Now this morning, think about where you find yourself. Where are you in relation to the light of God? And you might say to me, well, preacher, I've never been born again I've never been saved. I know that I'm grappling to understand what that means and my responsibility to obey the gospel. I'm still just not quite understanding it. Can I say to you this morning, respond to the light that has been given to you. If you haven't come all the way to the point where you understand the gospel well enough to respond to it with obedience, then at least respond to the light that has been given to you. Respond with eagerness for more light with a desire to have Jesus be present in your life. If you come towards him in that way, if you step into the light, you will find that you will not be disappointed because he is in the business of bringing light into this world. So what is the cure for darkness? The cure for darkness is more of Jesus. And we get more of Jesus by following him more passionately, by responding to the light that Christ brings. Now, what you'll notice in our text, if you go back to John 8 and 12, and I'm almost done, Jesus said that if you will follow him, you will have the light of life. Light equals life. The light that comes from Christ, brings real life. Now, ponder this for just a second. Much of the world tells us that real life, real satisfaction, 
Real enjoyment comes through darkness. But God says real life comes from the light. If you will seek after Christ, if you will follow after him, you will find that you can have the light of life. I am so thankful this morning that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus wants to shine his truth into our world so that people can respond to that and follow Christ. My question for you this morning, are you following Christ? Are you responding to the light? Are you eager for Christ to spell out the way so that you can follow him more carefully? Do you have the light of life? Do you have Jesus?